are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. So I was in a meeting the other day with Chris Holcomb. Chris is one of our pastors, and he was with his four-year-old daughter last Sunday leaving church. And they're walking down a sidewalk together, and little Ellie says to Chris, her daddy, uh, Hey, Dad, do you like Nebuchadnezzar? Four years old, she says it perfectly. So children are studying, you know, with us in the book of Daniel. And Chris is like, I, I, I didn't know quite how I should answer that. Like, do I like him? Because he did have a pretty good day in chapter 4 where he begins to worship the God of Israel, right? And so Chris says, uh, yeah, he, he's okay. And she said, I like God. <laughs> so in that story, Ellie decided her favorite character was God. You know, I, I think that in the book of Daniel, we've learned about Daniel, but we've learned a lot more about the God Daniel serves. And really, that's what we all are interested in anyway, right? We want to know more about God. So what if I said to you today, God is love. Do you agree? I'm really glad that John said it is an epistle, God's love. And I like it that in his gospel, he said, for God so loved the world. And I'm really grateful that God is forgiving because if God wasn't forgiving, I'm done. I'm toast. I am dead in the water. It's over for me. But I'm really glad that God is forgiving. And I'm glad that God is compassionate. And I felt the compassion of God many times. Let me give you another word and see how you respond to it. Are you glad that God is involved? So in January, we... We took a little bit of time to talk about it. And we were in Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians. And we had this incredible truth that we just kind of lived with for weeks. And the truth was that God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And I'm really glad that God comes alongside us when we go through hard times. I mean, I'm looking at some of you right now saying God's been with you through some hard times, right? This idea that God watches from a distance, if that's your God, you can have Him. I don't want anything to do with a God like that. If your image and your view of God is that God is somewhere off in a distance and He's kind of aware watching what's happening here, if that's your God, you can just keep Him. I don't want a God like that. I want a God who shows up when the times get hard. I want a God who shows up at the emergency room. I want a God who shows up at the funeral home. I want a God who shows up when my kids need Him. I don't want a Sunday morning God. I want a God who's with me seven days of the week, who pushes up His sleeves, and He gets involved in the messiness of my life. Amen? And so what we learn in this very popular story in the book of Daniel, which really Daniel in the lion's den is the most popular story. So I don't know about you, but I'm going to miss that lion when he's gone. Are you? Once in a while, people will say to me, like, so what are you going to do with the lion when the lion's gone? And, and, and I think maybe they're, you know, thinking like, maybe I'll, I'll take it off your hands. But I have to explain, it's like 20 feet tall. It's not going to fit in your man cave, okay? It's, it's massive. We had to bring it in in four pieces to get it in the room. But, but what we learn in the book of Daniel is simply this, okay? That God is faithful to come to us when life is out of control. 
So, so I'm setting, you know, this week as I'm preparing to preach and I'm trying to construct this sentence because I'm really wanting to say, what is the, the message that I want to share with you from Daniel? Because there's many, but this is what I want to share. And so I'm writing the sentence and I'm saying things like, God is faithful to come to us when life becomes difficult. Or God is faithful to come to us when life is challenging. Or, or God is faithful to come to us when life seems hard. But, but I decided that if you have tossed me into a den of ferocious, hungry lions, the words, when life seems hard, doesn't quite get the job done. You know what I mean? I think it's when life is out of control. I think it's when we're on a train and it's a runaway. There are no brakes. I think that's what I'm talking about. And so before I, I just jump in here and read you from chapter 6, let me remind you that Daniel is a book about hope. And the visions of Daniel in his apocalyptic writing and the visions that are in chapter 7 through 12 have a similar message. And that is that kings and kingdoms will rise, but God will one day establish his kingdom and will humble all of those kingdoms and establish his kingdom on earth. And he will fill the world and rule the world with love and justice. And so we're not going to hell in a handbasket. The world is not just drifting along to some really bad place. God has a plan. God is sovereign. And God is leading us in a direction. So Daniel was taken captive when he was a teenage boy. At this point in his life, he's probably 83 years old. He has served four pagan kings for 67 years. And now Darius is ruling over the kingdom where Daniel has been a hostage. But yet as a hostage, he has not survived. He has thrived. It's what we all desire. So let me share the story with you. Here we go. It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. The satraps were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer any loss. Now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Once again, Daniel is thriving under another pagan king, but he's thriving. So at this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel because they're jealous in his conduct of government affairs, but they weren't able to do so. Uh, they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy. He was neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we're never going to find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. And so these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, may King Darius live forever. We have a plan. <laughs> The royal administrators, the prefects, the satraps, the advisors of governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the decree that anyone who prays to any god or any human being during the next 30 days, except for you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. Here's the idea. The king speaks for the gods. The gods are never wrong. Therefore, the words of the king are infallible and cannot be repealed. So King Darius 
put the decree in writing. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem because the Scripture says if you're taken captive, pray as you would normally pray towards the city God has chosen. He's just fulfilling Scripture. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. You see, for Daniel, this was a way of life. Then these men went as a group and they found Daniel praying and asking God for help. I love those lines. Daniel knew where his help came from, right? So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who praised any God or human being, except for you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, The decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be repealed. And then they said to the king, Well, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, he pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree that you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. And so when the king heard this, he was distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. And then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. We, we sat around a table a while back, and, and we asked ourselves a question like, how, how in the world on a Sunday morning, when, when we all come to church together, could we, could we, make, could we make it feel real? The ferociousness of a hungry lion, you know. So we were kind of laughing, thinking, I bet you can rent lions. They're, they're people who have lions, right? And, and could you imagine if I sit up here, like right now, and I said, okay, in just a minute, from backstage, we think it's safe, you know, we think we're okay here, but we have some lions that we've rented, and they haven't eaten for a week, and we're going to throw some raw meat on the stage, so you can kind of get an idea of a ferocious lion, but... We knew our insurance company would never go with it. And part of you would leave anyway, so it wouldn't be a good deal. We, we thought about, you know, what about, you know how people, when they are confronted and they are face-to-face with a lion in the wild these days, have you seen these videos? They pull out their phone and they just video it. It's like, well, if this is it, I'm going to get a good video to post no matter what happens, you know. But instead of doing those things, I decided I would just ask you a simple question. Have you ever faced, come face to face with a ferocious lion? Anybody? You see, my assumption is that every one of you have. And I base my assumption on 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, and he's looking for someone to devour. Now, I want you to, to lean in a bit here, okay? Here, here's the warning. Be, be alert. Be sober mind. Why? Because somebody wants to destroy you. 
Who? Your enemy. Which one? <laughs> I have many. The devil. I mean, I, I think you've got to understand here that, 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 that the intention is severe. Someone is looking to devour, literally destroy you. It doesn't say that the devil wants to hurt you or the devil wants to, you know, make your life a little more difficult or the devil wants to kind of mess with you. No, 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 no. You've got to understand, he wants to destroy you. What, what do you mean he wants to destroy me? I mean, he wants to wreck your family. He wants to tear your marriage apart. He wants your kids on a very destructive path. He wants to create so much distance between you and God that you will be convinced it can never be repaired. I mean, I'm here to tell you, it's, it's just what I'm reading in the Bible, okay? The devil wants to destroy you. It's, it's not a matter of hurting you. No, no, no. He wants to leave you bleeding in a ditch and left for dead. He wants to destroy you. So, if, if, if that's true, and, and if that's what's happening, what, what does it mean to you? Now, if the devil is the lion, you and I know that evil comes to us in many, many forms, right? And so this is probably the question of the hour. And, and I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask you to answer it. And, and, and not out loud, but I want, you to, I want you to struggle with this. I want you to live with this for a minute, okay? I want you, to, I want you everybody, every one of you. I don't care if you're, you're 14 or if you're 84. I want you to answer the question. So what, what lions are you facing today what lions are you facing today what lion is trying to destroy you or somebody you love today and it could be that there's somebody saying Rick it's it's worry it's it's fear it's it's anxiety. It's, it's got a hold on me right now. And, and I'm convinced that the enemy is trying to use it to destroy me. I mean, I'm not living over it right now. I'm living under it. I am, I'm living in fear and anxiety and worry, and it's getting the best of me. And I'm convinced that the enemy wants to destroy me with it. But another person says it's not... It's not worry for me, Rick. For me, it's, it's temptation. And I hate it because it looks so stinking good to me right now. It's glittering. I mean, it's got my attention. And I want it. And I know I shouldn't want it. But right now, the enemy is tempting me. And I feel like that I'm just being overcome with temptation. And I think about it way too much. And I find myself wanting to give in. But I know in my heart that the devil wants to use it to destroy me. I'm not stupid. But for another person, you say, we've been through a tragedy. And, and, and this tragedy has overwhelmed us all. And, and I feel like that the enemy is trying to make me doubt my faith. It's trying to make me doubt God. It's trying to make me doubt that God loves me or that He's walking with me. And I know that the enemy wants to use all of these doubts to destroy me. 
And, and maybe I shouldn't keep trying to make a list. Maybe I should just say, so what are you struggling with? What's the problem? Where's the struggle? Where's the challenge? What are you living with? What are you dealing with? What is the enemy trying to use to destroy you? You, you understand this. But we walk in the room today and I say to you that, that God comes to us when we go through situations where life is out of control. And the reason it's so important to say it is because we all face lions that want to destroy us. There aren't any exceptions in the room. Every one of us live with this. And the reason it's so important for me to stand up here on a Sunday morning and say to you that God comes to us. He is faithful when life is out of control. And the reason it's so important to say it is because we are all facing lions that want to destroy us in our lives. You understand this, I know. But Daniel faced many lions before he ever got to the entrance of the den. Many lions before he ever got to a den. So let me just... Um, get as real as I know how to get with you, okay? We have a, a young man who is a part of our church, and I'm grateful that he is. He, uh, his name is, is Cameron Skaggs. Cameron is a student at Southern Nazarene University. Can I get a shout out? Okay. And, uh, and Cameron stood in this room just a week or so ago, and sitting in front of him was the student body of Southern Nazarene University. They do chapel here. And Cameron told this story. He said, my name is Cameron. I'm from Bentonville, Arkansas. I'm a pastoral ministry major. And I'm an intern at Bethany First Church. And Cameron said, I was real excited when I got selected to study abroad this past summer. I was able to go to England, to Oxford. I'm going to give you his words, okay? On June 12th, I drove to the airport in Bentonville accompanied by my mother, my father, and my brother. I got to London. I survived the 10-day quarantine. And on the 11th day, I got to walk over 14 miles through the city of Oxford, exploring all the different campuses, libraries, churches, and shops that the city had to offer. Cameron said, I was on top of the world that day. However, on June 24th, my second day, out of quarantine, everything changed. I got a call from my mother at 6 o'clock in the morning that woke me up. And through a flutter of hushed words and unintentional pauses, my mother informed me that my father had collapsed. She talked me through how she called 911, how the ambulance came, how the EMTs did their thing in the middle of our living room, and then she paused on the phone. At this point, I'm thinking something happened to my dad, and he's not all right. But after a few seconds, my mother somehow got out the words informing me that my father had passed away as the result of a heart attack. It was so sudden, Cam says. It was so unexpected. He was only 57 years old. Cam says, I got on a plane and I flew home. And I got to speak at my father's funeral. 
And it really was an incredible celebration of my dad's life. Although we were all still in such shock about what had happened. He said, I got home from the funeral and I found some balloons in our house. They were balloons that were left over from celebrating my brother's graduation party from high school just a few weeks ago. And while I'm overwhelmed with gratitude that my dad got to see both his sons graduate from high school, I realized that he will never get to see us graduate from college, nor will he ever get to see us come to graduate school. He'll never see his sons get married, and he will never get to meet his grandkids. And standing here to the student body, Cam says, then two weeks ago, I received a call from my mom telling me my grandmother, my father's mother, was admitted to the hospital with massive brain bleeding. She wasn't expected to make it. He said, I was incredibly close to her as I grew up in the house next to my grandparents for the first 14 years of my life. But my grandmother passed away peacefully. So then Cam just opened his heart. And here's what he said. I'm confused. I'm confused why stuff like this happens. I'm confused how people can pass so suddenly without warning. I'm confused how a son can hug his father goodbye at the airport with no idea that the next time he would see his father, his father would be in a casket. I'm confused about how a mother can be widowed five weeks before both of her sons move away to college. And he said, during a time like this, it's easy to be frustrated, realizing that we don't actually have any control. There are times in our lives when life's out of control. It's, it's like a runaway train. My family has discovered death doesn't always knock before entering. And so I love this. Cameron looks at the seven or 800 students in front of him and he says, however, with Jesus in our lives, everything changes. I know my father is with Jesus right now. Jesus is the resurrection. Jesus is the life. And anyone who believes in Jesus, though they die, they will live. Cam said Jesus is everything. And because Jesus is everything, even though death is painful, it has no power. And then he closed with just a couple more sentences. Countless times across the summer, the Lord has reminded me of his presence. Cameron said, the Lord has never been closer to my family than he is right now. He has been moving in our lives every single day. Second, 
of every day. I, I, I don't know quite how to unpackage all of that. I think that Cameron underlines the point of Daniel this morning that God is faithful to come to us when life is out of control. And I think Cameron underlines the point that we all face lions. But what's hard is that there's nothing in Cameron's story or Daniel's story that says God won't let you ever face lions again. You're going to find yourself standing face to face to a lion. God's promise is, when you do, I'm going to come to you, and I'll be with you. So let me finish Daniel's story, and, and we're going to listen and learn as Cameron's story unfolds too over time. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel, and they threw him into the lion's den because God never said, you're never going to face a lion. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. And a stone was brought and was placed over the mouth of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. This is where I live. I keep saying, God, I just want my situation to change, right? And then the king returned to his palace and he spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him and he could not sleep. And at the first light of dawn, the king got up and he hurried to the lion's den. And when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to rescue you from the lions? And these are awesome words. Daniel answered, <laughs> may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and he gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no one was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Daniel didn't just survive. Daniel thrived. And the question that all of us are asking, and we're asking it right now for Cameron. Cameron. How do you move from surviving to thriving? And I think there's some great observations here. Just two quick ones. Number one, Daniel trusted God to be faithful. I read you the words in the text. Daniel trusted God to be faithful. Do you? When life is out of control, trust God. Someone sent me a picture of a painting. It was done in 1890. It's a depiction of Daniel in the lion's den. And the painter's intentions are obvious. What is Daniel focused on? The lions? No. He's focused on God. Daniel realizes that his help comes from God. That's why he asks 
God for help. And Daniel said himself, it was God who shut the mouths of the lions. I am no contest for a lion, Daniel says. Only God can do this. And here's the second thing about Daniel. Daniel was faithful to God. You see, when God is faithful to us, when we believe that God can be trusted, that God is faithful, then we can be faithful to Him. Thirteen sentences. Listen to me. Thirteen. Describes the murderous plot. Do you know how long it takes to describe Daniel's response? One sentence. (laughs) He gets on his knees regardless, and he prays. You understand, culture's expectations changes. But Daniel said, I'm not changing. I'm going to be faithful to God. Culture could say whatever it wants to say, demand whatever it wants to demand. But Daniel says, I'm going to be faithful to God. So I'd love for you to do me a favor this morning and, and, and bow your heads with me. And if you're even comfortable doing so, close in your eyes. And the reason I'm asking you to do that is to simply shut things out. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to identify the lion that you are facing today. What's the lion that you're facing? Where's the struggle? Where's the trouble? Where's the challenge? Where's the burden? Where's the pain? And here's what I want to do for you. I want to pray over you that God will shut the mouth of the lion that you are facing. Some of you are thinking, lion? Rick, don't you mean lions? I'm in a den. I've got a lot going on in my life right now. And so, Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you will close the mouth of the lions that these people are facing like you closed the mouth of the lions in Daniel's story. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of the things I've loved about the last few weeks is that we've just kind of said, if you want to pray, you should come and pray. The altar is just here. And so if you want to talk to God this morning about a lion that you're facing, or maybe... It's a lion that someone you love is facing. And just feel free as we sing to come. Here's what Daniel knew. He had no chance against the lion, but God could do it. And God can do it for you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.